Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard, Mike Molina. I gotta take a call. Doug Sprinthal. Yeah. Chris Lindahl. Honest to God, this is how it is, Chris. <laughs> this is the show. This is gonna right be here. tough. It's gonna be broadcast all over the United States, all over the world, and this is what it is. Oh, I have to take a call. <laughs> I was kidding. You're unbelievable. Jeez, lighten up, Francis. Why don't you settle down there, Sorry. LA LA Doug? <laughs> We'll be right back. Kick things off, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Now, this is the part that gets really interesting. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. I wish Alex was here because what I'm going to talk about for the next 90 seconds is right up her alley. Yesterday, we went in front of the Burnsville City Council and got approval to build a brand-new Subaru dealership in Burnsville. We're actually moving it back to where it originally was next Mm -hmm. to Honda. When she bought her car from us at the current site, when we built that 11 years ago, we were hoping to be able to sell 40 new Subarus a month. We sell 150 now, and we don't have any place to fix them. So the new Subaru store, the old one has six service bay. This, the new one will have 25. And we're also going to build a new Subaru dealership in South St. Paul. So we're investing back in the community by building. We're building a new Mazda store up in White Bear Lake. Times are good. Thanks for the business. And continue to buy cars because we got to pay for this. It's all on uh, note. We didn't pay cash. <laughs> yeah, right. Paul Walzer didn't pay cash. He doesn't have any. <laughs> Paul doesn't? Oh, God, no. He, he's, he likes to spend money. <laughs> he does. That's why I like working for him. Yeah, well, I, I like going to dinner with him. I know that. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, that was very good. That's really nice. Yeah. Reveal. Yes, we're broke, so buy cars. That's really nice. <laughs> hey, I mean, you got to be honest, right? We're car dealers. It's a state now. law. Uh, it kind of depends on how you count because we've got some standalone used car operations, but between here you're a radio salesperson. Well, it all depends on how you count them. Up. Yeah, in uh, that <laughs> valuable eighteen to fifty-four yes, demo, we've yes. got a twenty share, and the two exactly. a.m. to two thirty when we have strippers on. Uh, no, yes. but to answer your question, it's about twenty-five in two different states. Twenty-five, mm-hmm. and I bought a car from every one of them. You bought, you've done well. You've done more than your fair share. We appreciate that. <laughs> Hell, you think so? <laughs> yep. All right. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. He's got smithereens on right now. I love this song. You know, this song 
This one's got to be from 1986. That's about right, isn't it? You can put your headphones back on now. Doug. Doug. Yeah, has been in a band and on the air for. You know what life. it is? What? I always sit there, and now I'm in the L.A. Nick spot, and I'm just totally <laughs> effed up. We can change spots because he he does that a lot. And here's another thing. Oh, that's it. he does that. You know what else? Don't, Tom? Adjust, don't adjust your radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, it's true. I'll try to I'll try to calm down. I'm sorry, sir. I think you'll be calm. You'll be no, fine. It is whoever sits in that seat because after L.A. Nick left, Cy came in. And, and then he still, acted yeah, like then, he was nuts. Yeah. That's true. That is true. Well, you can't even argue that point. All right. You want to do your spot live today? It's up to you. Whatever. We'll do it. We'll, we'll get that. I, we'll get, I'll get it logged in and we can just do a live spot. They always, people like the live spots. Okay. Especially if you swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Smithereens, an American rock band from, Car- what is it? Carteret, New Jersey? I know their jersey. I didn't remember the name of the town. I never heard of Carteret. Or Carterd or whatever it said. Something like that. Um, which one of them died? Uh, the the oh, lead Pat singer. Pat, yeah, that's right. Pat Denizio. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, he was good. He did not look like a rock star at all. Look at this guy. That's not a rock star. <laughs> no, it kind of looked like Rick Nielsen's brother-in-law. Yeah, kind of. Or me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks like me, actually. You do not look like a rock star, sir, but a hell of a hell of a song. No doubt about it. What's new in the world? Is anybody uh, closing anything down? Does anything, anybody hate anyone else? Uh, well, I tell you something that's been really curious, and it's I've been obviously watching this whole Florida shooting thing, and I've got friends. I try to have friends from all political spectrums and beliefs, and I've got a lot of righties and quite a few lefties. They've they've come together on this whole gun thing. I posted something on Facebook about, you know, Trump went on and said, you know, I want to tell the DOJ that we need to get rid of these bump stocks. And I posted, right. I'm not a big Donnie fan, but I also don't think everything he does is inherently wrong. Of course This not. is a good move. And Michelle Tafoya and a whole bunch of people that are uh, a little bit to the right to weigh out there said, mm-hmm. yep, this is good. So that, that's good. That's it's nice. Michelle Tafoya, a little bit to the right or way out there. That's really good. I'm just good, trying Don. to be pleasant. That's pleasant. <laughs> Michelle thinks that she's moderate. And she I guess does. She if does she was hanging out with a bunch of John Birchers, she would be considered moderate. <laughs> but in That's a normal true. population, she might be a little farther to the right than she thinks. She's, you know, I, I gave her uh, what I consider to be a compliment because, uh, you know, my family's out of town. I'm at home by myself. It was kind of weird. Oh, do people come over from your office and, and kind of go through the house once in a while? Every once in a while. <laughs> okay, I just, because there was somebody in my house, and I was like, well, wait a minute, somebody's in my house. What's this all about? But I never did see them. They left by the time they I got up They have tours. There. This is Tom's bedroom. Here, take pictures. And there's this is where selfies Tom... all over the Internet of people in your bed, just so you know. This is where It's Tom... actually live streaming now. I probably shouldn't it's, have yeah, it's live streaming now. <laughs> Sorry, got to let the cat out of the bag, Chris. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Doug. That's great. It's really a great Come situation. swim in the moat. We get two bucks a throw for that. Two bucks a throw for the <laughs> moat? Well, I was asked yesterday, because we were talking about this gun control thing, and I want to get back to what you were talking about, but they asked me, do you have any guns? And I said, yes, I have six of them. They're all handguns. I don't have any rifles. I've never been a hunter or fisher or anything like that. But they said, why do you have six guns? And I said, because it's a really good way to convince people to not walk up my driveway. Just don't even walk up the driveway. I don't care about coming up to the house. Don't even come on the driveway. It's 
I learned that from growing up in North Minneapolis, though. <laughs> the hell you do know my driveway? Deal off my driveway. I, I'm down to one. I just, I've got an old, old, it was my stepmom's brother's 22 Winchester. And I love the thing because it's cool. Yeah. Oh, that but is a cool rifle. I've got a rifle. trigger lock on it. And if we got uh, home invaded, they'd have to be the slowest burglars invaders <laughs> in the world because it would take me about half, a, half an yeah, hour to find the go. keys. Hang on a second. Those are the wrong one. See, my, uh, th- my 357 Magnum I keep right next to my alarm clock in my bed. Just laying on the laying on the end table. I hope you don't take Ambien. You're not one I of those do not take sleepwalker no. guys because that'd be bad. That would be bad. Take an Ambien with a loaded 357 Magnum. <laughs> yeah, not good. But I bought pistols that were loud. I like loud because now I've I've owned guns for 30 years. I've never uh, aimed a gun at anybody. I've never had to pull a gun on anybody because I have a concealed carry permit as well. Uh, the only place I've ever shot a gun. Uh, a pistol is uh, at a gun range. I've never shot a gun anywhere else. I have no intention of... But the one thing about me, I will tell you, and, and Chris and I were just talking about this, and Doug already knows about it. We're, t- we're all talking about it. That they asked me on the show if somebody walked into this room right now and had a gun on them, would you pull your gun on them? I said, absolutely. They said, really? Because I don't think I could do that. I said... There's no chance I'm letting somebody walk in here with a gun without shooting them. Sorry. Yeah, I got kidnapped once, and I've been shot at twice in my life. I wouldn't have a problem with doing it. It's like, you don't get another chance at this deal. I got lucky, but. You got everything. So what? here's what I want to know. We're $20 trillion in debt. United States, $20 trillion in debt. $63,000 per person, $173,000 per taxpayer, which means only 40% of the people in America pay any taxes at all. That's right. Okay? We're twenty trillion in debt, and yet we don't have enough money to put guards on our on every school in America. You're talking about retired cops. You're talking about retired uh, military. All these people that would love to do it know what they're doing. They're already trained. They don't have to go through any training. I just think if if we employed former cops and former service people, if we did some gun control, would be nice. And you know there are three hundred million guns in America. I think that might actually be light. I've heard it it's is closer light. to four. But yeah, it is there's, light there's plenty. 300 million that we know of. That should be enough, I'd So there's probably another 100 million we don't know. I mean, how many deer are there? Oh, Never mind. <laughs> that I wouldn't know. <laughs> Let's ask a guy from North Minneapolis. Yeah, you know when you're deer hunting? Uh, yeah. Although you could in the tra- train tax- tracks in North Minneapolis. That's you, right. You could hunt deer there. I, Melina does this just to annoy me. There's a U.S. debt clock, and he puts it up all the time. <laughs> Why do you do that to me? I don't know. <laughs> oh, the U.S. debt clock is like, oh. Is there a U.S. gun clock, too? Uh, it might be. <laughs> it might There's be. about 7,000 different things on here. Median income now is $31,648. It's, all the information you need is right here. But I, I think, you know, I think it's the, the, the fault of Democrats and Republicans because Democrats like LBJ did horrible things like driving fathers out of the house to get welfare. Then Ronald Reagan decided to shut down all the all the mental health facilities and just put people out in the streets. So it's not one party that committed all the, all the crimes and all the injustices here. It's been both of them. It's been all of all of these people. So I think a combination of uh, let's only give guns to people who are not in radio. <laughs> 
<laughs> that'd be good. That'd be a good start. Well, here's an here's something interesting that you you intuitively know, but never gets talked about. I don't think. And I, I hate to bring this up, but why is it only guys that do this sort of stuff? There's, I can't yeah, think of don't a single this. woman that's been involved in a mass shooting. Because Not it's a penis one. thing. And I'm very there serious have. about that. It's a penis thing. There's no question about that. Stop looking at yours. Well, what? I was checking. Good God. I, I told him he's looking that down. That looked straight down the minute you said that. Yeah. He did, didn't he? It's like, what are you doing over there? Thankfully, this is a podcast and not a TV show. Well, anyway. That camera's on around the world. So. Looking at Chris and you, not me. I'm oh, off. speaking of that, I want to say thank you to the, because apparently they listen. The two young German women that I had, uh, Mike, they're, they're uh, exchange students. Visiting students from Germany that stayed at Michael Bryant's house, and we're going to school with Michael Bryant's kids, and we had them on the podcast, and they thought it was really cool because their mother watched them in the studio oh, here that on awesome. YouTube in Germany. How cool is so that? It was really great. They were really, they were really terrific too, because I was riding them hard. Did man, they do they subtitles in German? Tom, I don't think this is a very good idea. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is wonderful. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they were not Trump fans. <laughs> they were not either, because Angela Merkel's not exactly a Trump fan, so I don't suppose anybody in Germany. Well, he did kind of diss her early on before he She got, had it coming. Yeah. Hey, my mother was German. I know how that whole deal goes. Have you seen that Tracy Ullman bit where she does I love Angela Tracy Merkel? Ullman. Fabulous. It's on her new, new show. She's just she really good. is phenomenal. Always has been. Yeah. Uh, she is. She's just absolutely terrific. What a talented woman. She does Helen Mirren, and she does all the, all the great British stars. Let's get her on the podcast. What a great interview. Helen Mirren? Or Tracy Ullman. Or Tra- Tracy Ullman would be, I've talked to her before, on, not on this show, but on the morning show. She's a hell of a talent, man. She's unbelievable. No doubt about it. So, Chris, with the national debt being a $20 trillion, is that kind of... Put a dent in home sales or what happened? Yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing in home sales right now is interest rates are rising significantly. The last sixty are days, they really? they're almost up a point. And so, in the oh, last wow. sixty days, yes, oh yeah, good God, see, I had no idea. Yeah, so that's the that that's the big one because I mean a lot of people buy on payment, not actual on value. Correct. Yeah, and then obviously the tax changes too. You know, I mean, on, you can't on write the, off your state taxes anymore. Can't take write off your property taxes over what ten grand? Yeah, well, so that would be more of a CPA question. No better than answer that. <laughs> I'll answer it. What are you going to do to me? Well, yeah, I mean, you're in radio. You can answer anything. I can answer anything. <laughs> I'm in radio. I can get away with anything. Don't pay your taxes. I did not know that rates are up one full point in the last 60 days. I yeah. had no idea. So yeah, what, what, what's a 30 fixed right now, roughly? Approximately, you're, you're between 4.5 to 4.75. Wow. Yeah, you. I mean, you were mid to low threes last year. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, a fifteen year is going to be less than that. But that's the that's the big thing, and I think that's where a lot of home sellers right now are putting their houses on the market, especially ones that have that have owned houses for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the early eighties, you were eighteen, nineteen percent interest. I rem- yeah, absolutely. I remember. I bought my first home in eighty six, and I was so pumped that I got eleven seven five. It's like yes, under twelve. <laughs> yeah. So four and a half, four point seven five historically is still a low rate. But we've is, been con- yes. but we've been conditioned to three percent for so long. Right, right. But you still look at and this. One thing I talked to L.A. Nick about when he is here because he owns a condominium downtown Minneapolis. Those things are going for top dollar, and they don't stay on the market very long. Well, it's it's, it's a supply and demand thing. So a lot the, the the issue with the condos downtown is a lot of them. Once someone owns them, they turn them into a rental after that, and so you don't have oh. much inventory. Uh-huh. So you have a lot of demand. You have a lot of people that are moving back into the city, 
but then you have a lot of them that turn into rentals, and so there aren't a lot of them that actually go for sale. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a question for you. I've been reading that millennials are starting to move out to the burbs. Have you noticed that? Has that happened to be true? Because they, for years, everybody said, oh, never, the suburbs are yeah. over. It's, you might as well nuke yes, them. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing about millennials is no one really knows what a millennial actually means, but everyone just uses that buzzword. So it's like, <laughs> the millennials are doing this. What does that mean? Does that mean everyone? Does that mean that's a certain a age? Right it's kind of slang. It's, it's, it's slang for it, a-hole is yeah. what it turns into. <laughs> like I said, there's Other than right Mike. There. Other than Mike <laughs> so, Molina. So a lot, yeah, there's a lot more activity in that in that younger you know age range of, of purchasing homes and going yeah. to the suburbs yeah and you know a lot of it is is that there isn't inventory in the city and, and people are starting to have families again and and they're moving further out than they once used to and the other thing too is to get any sort of new construction or to get any land you got to go further out to get it yes yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. in some cities like i've owned a farm out in dayton now forever and they will not let let me divide it up into lots for building they just won't do it Wow. It's, it's starting to happen a little bit in Dayton. I saw a couple of parcels that got sold off over there. Tell them, let's go. Yeah, let's speed it up. Seriously, I mean, I, I, my two pieces of land up in Dayton are the last two pieces in Hennepin County you can't subdivide. You know why that is. Because it's me? No, because you know black people. Yeah, that's probably... Yeah, that's, I know Philip. It's <laughs> yeah, Philip's fault. They're worried about Philip. Philip and JB moving in. Is. <laughs> now, I just think, I don't know, that it, I would assume they'll eventually, that land will be... Uh, as far as their tax revenue situation is concerned, that land will be too valuable to, to keep as a farm. That's right. There's yeah. Any other farms there. But, I mean, Dayton's ridiculous. a really hot area now. I mean, there's a lot of developing going on there. Well, except let's for your go. pieces. <laughs> hey, boy, Chris, what's that? You have to leave already. Yeah. Huh? You got to hit the road already. Got to get to work. Bad. Yeah, got to get to work. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the great thing about. You know, when I talk about the car business, I talk to Doug, I talk about the housing business, I talk to you, I talk to Michael Bryant last night, and asked, you know, talk about legal stuff with him. Uh, Mike Bilski, I just talk about what it means to be Polish. But <laughs> Bilski hates that when I do that so much. He just hates it. Why'd you go with the Polak joke again when you brought my name God, he's a piece of work. But no, it's a good way. I mean, if you're going to host a morning show and you're going to talk about the all the stuff that's happening in the day and all the rest of it, it's good to know people from different professions that know what they're talking about and have them come in and talk about that. You know, like I, like I said, the car business and, and you here to talk about the real estate business. I learned something already. I had no idea that rates were up a full point in the last 60 days. We'll be right back talk more about this in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking, and they always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. If you've noticed your vision getting cloudy, blurry, or dim, or having more difficulty seeing at night, you could have cataracts. Tom here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they do much more? They do, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age where my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. 
Of course, Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology and vision options available, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you've been told you have cataracts or you're wondering why things just aren't as clear as they used to be, call the experts at Whiting Clinic or go to whitingclinic.com to learn more. See the folks at Whiting Clinic in order to see your very best. And don't forget to tell them that I sent you. What's going on with ACDC? What's going on? Nah, who's left? Just yeah, Angus. I think it. it's just A. It's Angus. That's it. They're down yeah, to A. There's no A. There's there's an A, but there's no D or C. Or, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's too bad. A lot of that stuff happening these days, isn't it? it? Well, I found out today, and I didn't even know this. Billy Graham died today at uh, 99 years old. Yep. We share a birthday. Oh, really? I mm-hmm. had no idea he was born on November 7th. But that was started here. I did not know that the Billy Graham ministry started in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I had no clue. And then it moved to North Carolina when he figured out the tax situation, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although religious stuff, you don't tax, do you? That's probably why there's so much money in it. Oh, there's a lot of money in religion, man. Let's get my own religion going. <laughs> Tomasism. The guy who's a retired priest of my old church, and we're really, really good friends. He's an Englishman and grew up in a home that was, was, none of them believed. They never went to church. And he was at Oxford. He was a Ph.D. student for, like, molecular physics or something like that. Went to a Billy Graham rally and converted instantly. And he's a really interesting guy. He's one of the most level-headed people you'd ever meet. But it's like, wow, that's pretty powerful. Well, it is. I mean, uh, the one thing I like about that whole thing is, and Billy Graham, for what I understand, I've talked to Franklin, but I never talked to Billy. Franklin's his kid. I never did talk to Billy, but uh, everybody I did talk to about him said he was the nicest guy in the world. He didn't shove any of it down your throat, and and he really did want the best for people, although he had, he did have a net worth of $25 million when he died. He did so okay. That's not too bad no. for saving souls. <laughs> well, I, did, he owned the mint, right? I'm just yes. kidding. You. Yeah, I'm Franklin, sure. Franklin Mint. Yeah, I got. Sorry, I, I host a show. Well, you know you've been spending the jump. winter in Florida. You naturally slow down mentally there down there, don't you? Boy, look at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you got to go already, huh? <laughs> Listen to you. But I, you know the thing about that is, and then you know we'll get back to other subjects. But I'm not a very religious guy myself. But but if people had better lives because Billy Graham talked about what he talked about, what, what's wrong with that? You know, when you get so nuts where it's like you can't do this and you can't do that and you shouldn't marry this person and that, you know, don't do this on Tuesdays and only eat this on Friday, that's a little too much for me. But if it's just about making people comfortable and feel better, I don't know. I, I had a real hard time, that this school shooting in Parkland, right? And this kind of all ties in in a way. And it's really weird. And I think it was probably because I've been watching that show, tour, Tales from the Tour Bus, <laughs> But these kids, 17 kids, get shot to death, right? That night I went to bed. That was a Monday? Mm-hmm. No, that was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, that's right. Week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One week ago today. So I go to bed Wednesday night, and I keep waking up because I hear the song Remember When by Alan Jackson in my head. Now, I don't know anything about country music, right? I don't know a little bit here and there, but really nothing. And the line from that song that kept waking me up was, the children grow up and move away. 
and it woke me up like eight times on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, because those people will never see their children grow up and move away. And I couldn't sleep because of that. What is that? Just mental illness? No, it's <laughs> loving your kids. It's being a human oh, being. God. Those are all good things. You can claim that you're not religious, but Mike and I know that's BS, right, Mike? <laughs> nice Catholic. Mike. He's not paying any attention to <laughs> you at all. He just went to sleep. You're handsome. <laughs> hey, douchey. How that work? Apparently, I just used the wrong words. That was phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, well, good. At least we caught it on camera, too. <laughs> that all works out. Yeah, I, I, and I kind of like to get that going. You're talking about gun control, and you're talking about treating people with mental disorders, uh, all these things. I, I just would really like people to maybe back off on the social media. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean you have to hate my guts and you're the uh, dire enemy. I keep referencing this, and I talked about it the last couple of days. But I'll mention it just once more. Doc Ketchmark sends me a, a screenshot of a, tw- a tweet because I don't go on Twitter or Facebook. Just, it's just too mean for me. I, it's just real nuts. And there's yeah, nothing to back it so up. Just so you know, not everybody on there likes you. Yeah, I've, I have noticed that from the screenshots that Doc Ketchmark sends me. <laughs> I just got Doc loves sending me. Oh, I know. Doc, just... Doc's the one, by the way, told me about Tales from the Tour Bus on Cinemax. But uh, in any case, this guy, oh, God. This is last Tuesday. What's today? No, it was last Wednesday. This is Valentine's Day. It's right, same day as Parkland. So this guy posts on Twitter, yeah, I got to get to listen to the KQ Morning Show this morning, and I know what's going to happen because he does it all the time. It's got it's just sickening. There'll be Bernard telling everybody he loves his wife. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know that was such a horrible thing to do. I, I stay out of those chains as much as I can, but every once in a while I have to post. And, you uh, get sucked in. I stopped listening 50 years ago. <laughs> I do love that. Guys, I've, I never listen to that show, but they know every word right. I say. It's hilarious. It's amazing. But I do think that there, there's a certain amount of aggression that comes from that because they feel free to be aggressive. There's no price to pay for being aggressive. I mean, everybody in this room is a pretty big guy. You could be aggressive with someone if you needed to be, but there are, the average-sized person can't do that. You know, They're just not big enough, and I think once they get on that keyboard, man, it's the, it all flies up. And I just think I don't... It's got to have something to do with all of a sudden everybody opening fire on everybody else, whether it's in Vegas or at schools or whatever. You know, I, I, I was thinking a lot about that after Parkland and everybody, you know, there's a certain amount of gun people that are like, the AR-15 is just another semi-auto like this. And they're actually right about that. Yeah. Um, but it, to my mind, it's, you know, it all started really with Columbine. Actually, you know, there were instances before that, but that was kind of the big one. And Columbine it, was a big one, and, yeah. and in my mind, it's like uh, Roger Barrister, the yeah, great right, yep. uh, track star in the Excellent. 50s. He broke the four-minute mile, didn't he? Yep, he was the first yeah. guy, because prior to that, nobody could break a four-minute mile. Right. And what happened as soon as he did it? Everybody can break a four-minute mile. <laughs> so know. it's like, okay, nobody <laughs> shoots up that, schools. That's right. Shit, now we can shoot up schools. Yeah, Sorry about that. See, he's that all, that's all Molina does is work. Making making up for I've his mistakes. I've been pretty good, but no, you've been But you good. get my point, though, because no, now do, it's yeah. so all them. If they're mentally ill, if they're just 
bad, evil people, uh-huh. we need an AR-15 because that's what everybody else uses. It doesn't mean that it's really much worse than all the other weapons that are out there. But I, I love know. that little league team that's raffling one off in North Carolina. <laughs> or I think it's South Carolina. <laughs> They're a little league little, team, and they're yeah. raffling off an AR-15. Crazy. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> the, uh, the the one thing I've noticed is like a lot of people blame the media, but the oh, bigger yeah. problem is yeah. the social media. Yeah. So yeah. you can shut down the media, but you can't shut down the people on these social nope. media platforms. And I don't know the right answer, but it, I mean, it seems like we've almost went too far with the social media. Yes. Like, how do you stop everyone from communicating? It's like it's like the online version of riots. I mean, it's group thinking. You get all these people behind an idea one way or another, and they yep. start to go crazy. They do. And then you see, and then you see your friend who's the that's not violent at all, and he's throwing rocks through the window. It's no different <laughs> than being behind a keyboard. I you're know, like, you're well, like, yeah. you're like, whoa! I didn't know that he even had a stance on that. <laughs> or she everybody's didn't. just every everyone needs to know my stance on everything. That's how people are now. I have a stance, and you all need to know what my stance is. And everyone's Why? an expert. And everyone's an expert on everything. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Cy Amundsen said it best. Social media gives people the ability to have um, press conferences that shouldn't have the ability to have press conferences. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. true. <laughs> By the way, uh, Florida school. Uh, oh, tragedy, uh, Florida school tragedy won't halt Missouri youth baseball, so it's Missouri, not South Carolina. Now, there's a, that's a world of difference between those two states. Yeah, none. The Ozarks? The Ozarks are rather interesting. <laughs> yeah. I got some great Pat Miles Ozark because she grew up in the Ozark. Oh, did she really? Oh, yeah. She's got some great stories for younger people who might not know who that is. Pat Miles, a stunningly beautiful woman that did news on uh, channels 4 and 11. She was so attractive, there was a local band that wrote a song called Pat Miles. They called Pat Miles, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very pretty woman. And a very nice woman, too. Just a really nice person. Not that Pat Miles. Look who he puts up on the screen. <laughs> so this is Pat Miles we get. Thanks a lot, Melina. He must still have his headphones on. She'd be on. a blonde woman. <laughs> yeah, she'd be a blonde woman, not a Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Missed it by that much. Well, what kind of Jew is named Miles? Ah, <laughs> uh, Lastman. Yeah. God, I love the, how Brittany is going after Lastman these days. I just love. She's torturing him, and he doesn't know what to do about it. It's very funny because he's never had a woman talk to him like that before, I don't think. And she's just like, yeah, okay, Lastman, whatever. It like, is funny know. because, you know, he's so <laughs> seemingly laid back in life of the party, but he's a total type A personality. Oh, so God, anything gets ever. out of the box. Oh. And she's figured that out and just pokes him. It's and she great. does. It's unbelievable. What happened with Mark Cuban embarrassed by damning expose of team? What, what happened there? I don't know anything about that. Do you guys know anything about that? Not me. Uh, it was a real-life animal house. That quote from a former employee of the Dallas Mavericks pretty much sums up the corporate culture of the NBA team as depicted in a new investigative piece by Sports Illustrated. The story pins much of the blame on former team president and CEO Terdima Usury. i got to back you up for just a second. Nobody's a name new, is Terdima Usury. A, a new <laughs> investigative report by Sports Illustrated. When was the old one? Yeah, when was the old one? <laughs> When was he? It says a new investigative piece by Sports Illustrated. Terdima Usury, who left the organization in 2015, multiple women say they left the Mavericks organization because of the unwanted advances from Usury himself. Sir, do you understand what the word Usury means? <laughs> it's in the Bible, I think, isn't I, it? Yeah, I believe it is, yeah. Uh, advances from Usury himself were because of a per- pervasive frat house environment. 
an atmosphere he allowed to flourish, usury denies all those outright false and inflammatory accusations against me. As for high-profile owner Mark Cuban, the story's source says he was never a participant in any harassment, though they find it hard to believe he could have been unaware of it. Cuban called the allegations aberrant and said he was embarrassed by them. So, I, oh, they had a little frat house deal going down there with the Dallas Mavericks, huh? Weird in a professional basketball team that that sort yeah. of behavior to occur. Yeah. They haven't spent a lot of time around professional basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, though. He is an odd cat. That, he is very that guy odd. Is an, you know, he got so lucky. And God bless you, he's a smart guy. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But he sold Broadcast.com for, what, $5, million, or $5 billion? I know. And it's worth nothing. 50 cents right now. Right. I, I, think, I think it doesn't even exist anymore. Broadcast.com, which is what this is. Mm-hmm. And he, they thought he had cornered the market. Why would you think he cornered the market just because he had broadcast on one website? $5 billion. Yeah, there's a whole industry of, it's called cyber squatting, and people buy URLs that they think are going to become valuable yes. someday in the future. And we've yes. had to pay ransom to liberate a few of our names. Oh, yeah. Really? I've, I've lived that world. <laughs> oh, have you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I suppose they buy it up. Yeah, that's true. Years yeah, ago, one sense. night, Alan Crutch and I were sitting around drinking scotch, and we were thinking about ways we could save the company. And we thought, you know, we better buy all these negative URLs in case something bad happens, like Paul Walzer sucks and this sort of stuff. I already own that. We went through a lot of scotch, and we still had a lot of names left to buy. <laughs> Although Trump did that in the last election. Yeah, he did. Jeb Bush didn't buy JebBush.com. Why? Because yeah. he's a dope. Oh, God. And so if you went to it, it went right to Don's website. I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> There's actually some potential trademark issues with some of those things, too, where you can you can go through and get them back. Oh, it, really? It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. difficult, yeah. though, because a lot of them are... Overseas owned. Correct. Yeah, trying to figure out the actual owner if their private yep. registration is hard to oh, find. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder what the most valuable URL is. I think of what that might be. Well, I remember one of the early big ones was Pizza.com. I don't remember who pizza, bought that. Really, but, Pizza. Yeah, I mean, the late '90s, early 2000s was when people started to think about this stuff. And Cars.com. Yeah, suppose, they, yeah. they, they somebody bought the URL and they built the company around it. Yeah, you know? Cars.com. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, they're still around. Aren't oh yeah, they? I thought so. Yep. Yeah. One of the big two. There we go. Uh, insurance.com apparently is the most valuable URL. Really? Insurance.com? Yes. Huh. Uh huh. It's sold for $35.6 million. And I'm in radio. Wow. Dang it. Insurance.com. Hey, Andy, see if anybody's yep. bought mesothelioma.com. <laughs> If they did, they're from Florida. On GoDaddy, it's eight bucks. I think we could split it. (laughs) Eight bucks on GoDaddy. (laughs) I would imagine that's probably true. Was Tom Uh, up in this hour? Someone has has bought that. Yeah, I would think so. That's one of the. If you ever go to Florida and watch TV, you'll see a mesothelioma, uh, like you know, you deserve money thing. Like every ten minutes. Oh yeah, that's true. Was Florida the? birthplace of asbestos or what must be what's going on there possibly we'll take a break we'll be right back tom bernard show chris lindahl in studio for his first time has to be here with sprenthal who's ruining it all for him come on i'm actually learning a lot about what not to do (laughs) (laughs) nicely played sir nicely played uh molina get rid of him okay so the first thing we learn is that the 
interest rates went up a full point in the last 60 days. I learned that today. I had no idea. I knew it had gone up, but I had thought it had only gone up a quarter of a point per month. So I thought it only went up about a half a point. But it's actually a full. Point. It just it always depends on the day too, you know. I mean, it's yeah. You can you can day trade rates, you know. And it, the, the time that it really matters is when you're going to refinance or you have a signed purchase agreement on a house that you're purchasing. Then you can lock your rate. Other than yeah, that, it doesn't good. matter a lot. I suppose that's true. So maybe it's slowing down home sales a bit, but is February a good time to sell your house in in any case? Yeah, that's a great question. The the thing that's changed with searching for homes and and also searching for cars or anything you look at now, it's done online. And so a a lot of people in the traditional real estate world think that, you know, the spring market is the greatest time to put the house on the market. Right. And the traditional agents that have been in the business forever say, wait till after the Super Bowl to put your house on the market. Everyone's always said that. But you look at searching for homes online, it doesn't stop anymore. What you know, whether you're in Minnesota or whether you're in Florida, I mean, you you can you can search for a home in any other state or any other country at any time, and you can basically learn almost everything about that house without actually going to see it. And so, a lot of times, yeah. someone that's purchasing a home, they already know the block they want to live on. They know what the neighbors do for work. They know what the kids' names are. They know the really? test scores, the hospitals, the parks. The consumer has all the data now. Yeah, they do have all the data. It's very very true. You you did a, a video of my house. That is very, very impressive. I mean, it's you had actors in there. That wasn't me sitting at the table, by the way. People <laughs> the guy without a shirt on? Yeah, the guy without a shirt on. That's exactly it. No, I, Tom came down the chimney. That's a, that's a big part of it, isn't it? Now that people can actually see pretty much the whole house without even going there yet. That's right. It's it's in, and also it's that right brain. It's the emotional connection. Yeah. True. You know, I mean, you it, yeah. when you're selling a house, if you have a buyer that's more left brain, you know, what's the square footage? What's the pricing history? What's the Zestimate? Because a lot of people think the Zestimate on Zillow is accurate, which it's not. Which it's not. Yeah, a lot of those things happen, and now all of a sudden you're negotiating with the buyer. If they fall in love with the right side of their brain, they're, they're probably going to purchase your house for a, pi- a price that's attractive to the seller or the homeowner. Yeah. Well, so that'll be good. And how do people get in touch with you? In touch with me, chrislindahl.com. And, and if you're uh, anywhere in the Twin Cities, you've probably seen our billboards. And Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe a couple. This guy with his arms stretched out to the side. You've seen maybe a few. Maybe, maybe a couple. <laughs> it's true. So you can just go to chrislindahl.com. Yeah, you can go to chrislindahl.com or call Chris with a K or, go, or call 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD. Chris Lindahl. 401-SOLD. And the REMAX thing. REMAX results. The Remax thing. <laughs> well, no. Hey, I'm learning the rules, man. I know what the rules are now. That's all I have to say. Uh, like I said, Chris Lindahl. It's going to be another Sprinthal. It's just going to be fantastic. Now I got two of you. That's all I need. You should be so lucky. Go ahead and hit it, man. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM.
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest, Tom Jennings. How are you doing, Mr. Jennings? Hey, Tom. I'm well. How are you? Doing extremely well. Uh, fascinating subject for me because uh, I've been talking about this quite a bit lately. One of the problems that I, I'm not a highly political guy. I tend to be a centrist. So I couldn't call myself a Democrat. I couldn't call myself a Republican. I'm really neither. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is because when I was a little boy, I lived in inner city na- neighborhood. We were very, very poor. So I read about people like, and it's an interesting take, Tom, because I am, I'm a white man, but I identified with Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and among other people, of course. But it was their situation and their position that I equated with my own life. It had nothing to do with skin color. So I was very excited to see that you wanted to talk about Malcolm X. Uh, I want to get your take on the whole thing. And I I do think, seriously, that circumstance is what's going to get us out of this quagmire that we're in right now. And understand that people, it's, it's not orientation, it's not gender, it's not skin color. It's circumstances and situations, which if we recognize all people, uh, together, all races, genders, orientations are all in certain circumstances together. I think that's the key to the whole thing. Does that make sense to you, sir? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's where Malcolm X actually was getting to at the end of his life, uh, right before he yes. passed. I don't think people know this, but the reason Malcolm X was killed, at least in my mind, and I think there's plenty of evidence to prove that it's true, is because he came to the understanding that maybe it is a circumstantial situation, that it's not skin color. Uh, look, certain people are in power. I don't care who's in power. They're going to abuse it, and that's that's just the human condition. Um, and he uh, – it was a terrible day, as a matter of fact. It's 53 it, years ago today. 53 years ago. T- 53 years ago? Now, don't tell me that. <laughs> Tom, I was just called very old just now by my own producer. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's been a while. Yes, this is true. But, you know, we're still talking about him today, obviously. He was only 40 years old. Detroit Red was the first uh, the first uh, time we had ever heard about Malcolm X. Uh, he, Tell us about it. I, you spent a lot of time studying Malcolm X, talking about Malcolm X. I want to hear your take on him from... From beginning to end, it fascin- it's a fascinating subject. It is a fascinating subject. Uh, the film uh, basically covers his uh, later years, um, you know, his media years from the mid to late uh, 1950s through his assassination in 1965. Uh, he was one of seven children. He... Uh, was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Grew up in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, got in. Uh, his father was uh, uh, killed. Uh, he believes by uh, members of the Klan. Uh, his father, uh, you know, if you believe uh, whichever side of the story, accidentally fell under a streetcar. Sure. Um, and it was a big tragedy. His mother. Uh, uh, sadly, had to be uh, institutionalized, and he wound up kind of living a rough and tumble life for the next many years of his adolescence and wound up in prison uh, for burglary. And it was during that time in prison 
that he discovered the teachings of a gentleman named Elijah Muhammad, who mm-hmm. was the head of the Nation of Islam at the time. Uh, this was in the 50s, the late 40s and 50s, and uh, Malcolm X saw something, some kind of stability, some kind of uh, way out of the condition that he was in, and fully embraced the teachings, went to Chicago to meet with Elijah Muhammad, and became um, one of his top lieutenants, and eventually rose to pretty much being the face of the Nation of Islam. Uh, during the late 50s into the 1960s, he was, for people that have seen his speeches, and you know if they watch our program on the Smithsonian Channel, uh, they'll see what an amazingly eloquent guy he was, mm-hmm. even though he was saying things that uh, many people would find extraordinarily uncomfortable. Um, he got into a bit of um, uh, a clash over the years with Elijah Muhammad. There was supposedly behind the scenes. Elijah Muhammad felt that Malcolm X was perhaps becoming more popular than he was. There was uh, a battle. Uh, Malcolm X became friends with uh, a boxer at the time named Cassius Clay, yeah. who became Muhammad Ali. Uh, Muhammad Ali embraced the teachings of the Nation of Islam. Uh, and when Muhammad Ali was given his name, Muhammad Ali by Elijah Muhammad, one of the stipulations of getting that name, which was a great honor, at the time, was that he could no longer be friends with Malcolm X. Um, Malcolm X got into trouble when Cass, uh, Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, I remember that, used, Tom. He used the phrase, the roosters have come home... Uh, 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 the, um, the chickens uh, have come home to roost. Chickens have come home to roost. That's what he said. And he yeah. was banned from public speaking by Elijah Muhammad. <laughs> it sounds like a bunch uh, of 14-year-old girls. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It is amazing. Well, it was about popularity. It was about mm-hmm. uh, whose idea this is. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what so amazed me is a few years later when uh, Louis Farrakhan did, and Louis Farrakhan was part of the Nation of Islam through all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years later, he appeared in Chicago. Nation of Islam was based in Chicago, if I remember correctly, uh, in America anyway. Um, Louis Farrakhan walked out on stage in front of tens of thousands of people and stood there while people cheered. And he waited for the cheering to die down. And Tom, do you happen to remember what he said that day to open his speech? Oh, is that the speech he gave where uh, he basically was saying that Malcolm might have been an enemy or something like that? That's correct. He opened it up by saying... I know what you're thinking. The brother looks good. (laughs) That's how he started his speech. It's like Lewis might be a little more uh, serious than that, but yeah, I, uh, you know, there was black supremacy. Uh, Elijah Muhammad taught black supremacy. He wanted uh, separation of the races. He didn't want integration at all. He thought it was a horrible idea. Which is, that's part of the human condition that amazes me, Tom, is that whatever I am, it's superior to whatever you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Humans love that, and I don't know why that is. Tribal situations in Africa, in America, in all of the world, 
my tribe, the Hutus and the Tutsis, your nose is shaped differently than mine, so I must kill you. Uh, are we ever going to get past all that stuff, Tom? I don't know. You know, it, it, he, uh, in looking at all of the footage and listening to his interviews from the, uh, the 60s, you know, he was, uh, he was uh, voicing the rage felt by blacks in America at right. the time that, right. uh, you know, <laughs> the promise of America had never come true for them. You had things like what was going on in Birmingham in 63 with those awful pictures of the fire hoses and the dogs, right. you know, peaceful protesters. And his point of view was, hey, we're fed up. But then he went to Mecca in 64 on the Hajj, the, yep. the, the faith walk, and his world view broadened. And to answer your question, you know, right before he died, he had taken on this belief that I don't care what your color you are, if you're willing to stand by me and fight oppression for the people who are in power abusing their power, come on. You know, so it was the last only few months of his life where he, he tailored or altered his point of view his projected point of view, yes. to be one more of inclusion, regardless of race. And uh, that we, we don't know how that would have played out, because he was killed, um, you know, this day in 1965. And of course, uh, a couple months later, Martin Luther King uh, gets assassinated and basically said the same thing. It's not the color of your skin, it's the content of your character, character. which right. I think about every single week in my life it has nothing to do with gender color any of the rest of it it's the content of your character why would i possibly care what your skin color is if you're a solid decent human being why would i care mm-hmm. so i i think it's wonderful that uh that your film is out your a documentary about malcolm although i'm looking at a picture on the, the wikipedia page talking about malcolm x and he's peering out the window, he's pulling back the curtains, peering out the window, and he has a machine gun in his right hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Malcolm, settle but, down. You know, one thing about our doc that um, your listeners might find interesting is that there's no narration and there are no interviews. You know, it's we only use the media from the time to tell the story. Oh, yeah. So there's as little editorializing as possible. The whole idea is to create a time machine out of archives so that it plays in, you know, an entertaining, fascinating way for a television general audience, but yet you're immersed in this to the point where you almost feel like you're sitting in one of those mosques listening to him give a speech. That sounds like an interesting technique. I've never heard of anybody that did a documentary without narration or yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, we did the whole Lost Tape series on Smithsonian Channel. Is, uh, it uses that technique. It's, it's very hard to do, as you can imagine, because we're basically writing the film with media words and Malcolm X's words from, you know, 50 years ago. We're having to rely on what was done and what we can find to tell the story. Tom, let me ask you a question. Ballpark, uh, how old were you when, when uh, Malcolm X was killed? Uh, I was... Probably your age. Let's see. How when well Malcolm X was killed. 65, I was yeah. three years old. You were three years old. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is because the year you were well, I guess you were one year old. Maybe we'll give it two years old. Um, 
and people don't realize this, we talk about this once in a while, the fact that the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, mm-hmm. an album came out in England called With the Beatles, the exact same day, that, third, that, that day. The uh, oh. album With the Beatles, which became Meet the Beatles in America. Oh, right, yeah. Came out the exact same day. So being 11 years old at that time, and so my president, and by the way, I grew up Roman Catholic, so my mother was very, a big-time John Kennedy fan because, he, oh, my yeah. God, a Catholic president that was unheard of. And to this day, it's still unheard of other than JF, JFK's as close as... Well, Clinton slept with some Catholics. That's yeah, that's true. He had sex with Catholics. So. But I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about, Tom, is the fact that, that this great joy and great sadness, when I was 11 years old, kicked in. And it was very traumatic. And I still feel that trauma. I do deep in my heart and deep in my brain every day. Because as time went on, the Beatles got bigger and bigger and bigger and made me really, really happy. But... JFK assassinated in 63, then right. you got Malcolm X in 65, you got Martin Luther King in 65. They just kept killing everybody, Bobby Kennedy in 1968. So all yeah. of that joy that I had for the British invasion and the Beatles and the, and the wonderful music that made my childhood great, I had all these assassinations for no reason in my mind. You know, I was anywhere from 11 to 16 years old. My neighborhood was burned to the ground in 1968 in the uh, in the riots. Uh, to this day, I, matter of fact, it's very close to where the studio is now. As a matter of fact, and I drive down Plymouth Avenue where I was living at the time. I lived a little north of there actually at the time, but uh, that whole period for guys, people, men and women my age, there's still a great deal of trauma and tragedy in our lives that we just we can't offload it it's there and it's going to be there as long as we live it's interesting that you say that because a common refrain now is america's never been this divided before there was the civil war first of all and then there was also the 60s this is this is a spat between neighbors currently tom you made me happy coming on talking about uh No, you did. You really did. because I, I do my best, Tom. Well, you a great, great job. So the doc is available every... How, how can people go out and see this and witness it sure. and see what really happened? It, it's on the Smithsonian Channel. Uh, it premieres on television uh, Monday uh, the 26th, next Monday, next Monday. Uh, 8, 7 Central. But I just found out, um, I'm always the last to know, it seems, uh, that... Um, Smithsonian Channel has put the, the entire episode uh, up on its YouTube channel. Oh, great move. Um, which is great a nice move. thing because not everyone uh, gets Smithsonian Channel yet. Um, so if your listeners go to YouTube and click Smithsonian Channel and then full episodes, they'll be able to watch it there. Magnificent. Well, thanks for bringing back all the misery and the happiness at the same time, Tom. <laughs> well, it's a good mirror. You talk about where we are today. The nice oh, yeah. thing about these kind of shows is oh, like yeah. we can like gauge where 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 were we then and where are we now. Magnificent. You got to come back and talk more about this. Uh, there's a lot more to say. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll Mark- be back, Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> 